0: you thanks for tuning into the waiting list podcast i'm long long i'm daniel and i'm jacqueline and we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches
1: so sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors industry giants and share some good vibes over the three years that this podcast has been running and over the many episodes that we have recorded you as listeners probably have your favorites and it should come to no surprise that I'm actually no different. Some of our guests have inspired me, some have made me laugh, and Long Long and Jacqueline generally made me cry. A few have got me running in the house, celebrating in my pants. I can say today is in the latter camp. As soon as I received the green light that this particular podcast was going ahead, I was like a child at Christmas. So today, it's my pleasure to welcome on Evelyn and Alexia Genta. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be speaking to you. Thank
3: you for having us.
1: Right. So I think the best place to start this podcast would be Evelyn. Um, as someone that knew Gerald better than anyone else, Mr. Genter, or anyone else, how do you remember him?
2: Oh, I remember him, uh, first of all, as my husband, you know, and a uh, partner and um somebody, we did everything together, so it's, it's more than just, you know, a genius or watchmaker. To me, he was the man I lived with, the father of the children, but also as very much an artist, because that would be the second thing that would come to my mind, and I'm sure we'll go through it later. But that was not, you couldn't differentiate the man from the artist. So... Um, husband and artist are the two main words that come to my mind
1: okay so I'm very interested to know as an artist how did he work what was he like to work with how was he like to be with day in day out
2: like all artists he was a genius and therefore I think the adjective that goes with that is temperamental but I'm sure every wife of every artist will tell you the same story I think they see life in a different way, I think there's nearly something childlike about an artist, that is uh, when he sees he wants something, where he must get it, because he's probably got a better way of looking at it than we have, and therefore there were a few tantrums, but also incredible moments when he would point out what he was doing and you'd think, oh my god, this guy has really got it, hasn't he? So we, we I learned diplomacy with my husband because of the sometimes difficult uh, temper. But at the same time, he was the kindest, most generous guy you'd ever meet.
1: Mm. A lot of uh, some of the great designers, especially in watches, for example, Cartier, you know, we see a beautiful Cartier designs these days. And obviously, um, Mr. Jenter is also in that camp of being a genius um, designer artist. Um, but they gain a lot of inspiration from the environment that they are in. So I'm wondering, how did he see the world? Did he go around, you know, because obviously some of the most famous work, which is the Nautilus and the Royal Oak, are famously based on the porthole of, of, of a boat or a ship, right?
2: Um, He saw the world. If you mean the world in general, the world of watches and creation, the world of watches and creation what he really didn't want to see was the other watches. Gérald was probably the only person at the Basel Fair, in those days it was the Basel Fair, then he became Watches and Wonders, um, who didn't go around everybody's booth to look at other people's watches. He was not interested. <laughs> uh, he, 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 he saw the world as most of it, two parts of the world, interested him more than anything else. It was nature and architecture. And I would say he drew his inspiration from both. Uh, in nature, he would spend hours in front of a tree because not only the shapes, but the colors. He said every color was in nature. Therefore, as you know, Gerald's um, watches can be quite playful, but they're colorful as well. You will find very few black watches in, in Gerald's work. He saw the world in color. And that uh-huh. is why he said that he had an incredible... Nobody in the factory could choose the stones, for instance, because he said he had the eye to choose the right color. Color was very, very important to him. Um, and architecture, because he would notice the shape of um, a piece of furniture, uh, a shape of something else. And I think all of that fed him, even, you know, without being aware of it, and also I forgot art, he loved painters, he loved art and he loved Picasso above anybody else in the world. So you have these two inspirations, but definitely not the watch world.
1: Mm. Mm. Because the watch world is probably, uh, I'm a watch guy and uh, I'm a Phillips. And uh, obviously have we have art people, or I should say art specialists. And I feel it's a very different world because I'm sitting there, and especially with abstract art, like a lot of people that are into watches, they like structure, they like logic, they like something to hold on to. But with art, it's very difficult and therefore somewhat uncomfortable to, you know, it's interesting how uh, Mr. Genta almost married the two together, where, you know, this design came in to watches and it was completely although it was later on much you know very well received and and now pretty much a legacy
2: this is why i told you he was not a watchmaker he was an artist who applied art to watchmaking it's a great difference of course he also knew how you make watches because gerald knew even how to make jewellery as a craft, with his hands. So he was quite aware that his art had to be applied art, and it had to fit in a case with the size of the dial, and he knew all that. This is why all his designs can be manufactured. Because if he had been just an artist, you would have had unbelievable designs, and then when you had given them to our teams, they would have said, yeah, it's fantastic, Mr. Gentleman, we can't make them. On the contrary, every design he produced was absolutely to the size, to how he knew what side of movement he would put in. So yes, he, he had that incredible two sides, but I would say that he loved painting even more because he felt there he had the complete freedom. So mm-hmm. Jean painted every day of his life as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
0: Um, so- I have I have a question. So obviously I did not have, I'm too young and, and, uh, into the world of watches. Um, but when I was getting into it at first, I think Mr. Genta's name was amongst one of the first few people, uh, mentioned in the books that I was reading. And it was only until after I had the fortune of seeing some of his own namesake watches in in person such as the one Alexia is wearing today and it wasn't until I saw them in person did I realize what you were talking about Evelyn the contrast and the colors are so vivid and raw and I think the word raw is what I was going to use to describe you know art at, at the same time the 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 blues and the mother of pearls that he was deciding to use and even down to the faceted crystals, which you never see. I mean, you, you don't, you didn't see then and you don't see now. So my question is how, what do you think Mr. Genta's priority was as an artist? Because he's very detail oriented. He's very design oriented, but if he had to go down the spec list and choose, Hmm for this design i i need to showcase this or i need to emphasize this what what do you think was his priority
2: i think his priority was to create beauty he loved beauty so everything had to be beautiful I'm very I, i listened to what you said and as as a young person i'm very interested to the fact that you picked up on the blues because um, if you look at all the perpetual calendar of every brand, the moon is painted at 6 o'clock or at 12 o'clock, mostly at 6 o'clock, okay? If you look at us, uh, the moon is in gold, as it should be. The moon is yellow or pale yellow. And it is in a lapis lazuli sky because the sky is blue. We're the only ones who have used stone and gold to represent what he thought was magical, the sun and the moon, and you will only see this in another brand, Pacha Cartier, which surprisingly enough was manufactured in our factory. Mm. But, you see, he wanted to create beauty. He thought he wanted the person who wore the Argentine watch to look at his wrist and have a second of happiness. That's already a lot in this life. Mm. So, it wasn't just about... I'm making clever movements because he, movements are very clever in many brands and they are getting more and more sophisticated as we evolve. Mm. But to encase it in beauty, in a beautiful object, that took a lot a lot of artistic genius and I would say beauty definitely.
1: Mm. Mm. I was wondering as an artist, and primarily an artist, how did he get into the watch industry?
2: funnily enough, um, his his beginnings were a little bit unusual. First of all, when he was 20, he thought he would be a painter and wanted to stay in Saint-Tropez and paint forever. But, you know, these are the wild dreams you have when you're 18 or 20 and then uh, reality catches up, right? So he had to go back to Geneva and he learned, as I told you, the trade of a jeweler and uh, physically, manufacturing. Then he did a little bit of designing for clothes and a little bit, and then he was hired by a bracelet factory and started manufacture one bracelet, and they asked him to do the same bracelet again. By the third time, they were asking the same bracelet again. He felt very insulted that he had to do the same thing over and over again. He therefore decided that this was not for him, and uh, took off through all his tools in the run, in the in the river of Geneva in a very dramatic. Only my husband would do that. in a very dramatic gesture. Yeah. And then starting designing watches, he thought he was tempted to go to Italy to design cars, but he would have had to leave Geneva. And really, it's very mundane. The choice of watches he would always tell it was because he's Swiss. So that's what he did. And he started designing, designing, designing watches. And of course, he got very, very good at it. But he, he always felt that if he had been in Italy, he would have designed um, cars. If mm. he had been in France, it might have been fashion. Is The artist always comes first.
1: Mm. Mm. So what was his uh, first design that was taken by one of the, I would say, you know, bigger brands or where he thought, oh, you know, I've I've hit a bit of success now.
2: He would get into his car and go to Le Brassus, La chaux Bienne, La Cote aux with designs. And you see, the reason I can't answer you was that he sold many designs for 10 Swiss francs. These designs were... Everywhere. There are many more designs that we don't know about. And this is why Alexia and I are constantly contacted now by every brand who will want their J. Argenta design, you know, but now it's really good. Said, so was this designed by your husband? Because there were hundreds of designs that were about 10 Swiss francs. Mm-hmm. There were no designers in those days, he invented that business, and now everybody's designing everything all the time, but in those days there were not, so he'd go, so there are designs that we don't know about, that they don't even know about, because in those days they didn't have computers, it's not in Mm. their system, in Piaget, in Corom, of course we know the big ones, but there were many, many more. So now Mm. a lot of watchmakers are saying, this was designed by your husband, wasn't it? And I said, well, I I can't guarantee. Therefore, I only give authorization when I know it was designed by my husband. But there are thousands.
0: Mm.
1: So is there a signature that he used? Did he sign sign off on every kind of design? Not in those
2: days. Later. Later. But in those days, he said he would stop driving around when he had a thousand Swiss francs and he was able to come home. So it was was really tough, (laughs) and he was very, very happy when he could sell this design. And he said the watchmakers of those days, remember, we're 1955, 60, we're a long time away. In those days, the watches were either round, square or rectangular. That was it. So he was quite happy that the brand would buy. They they would not even get him to sit down. They'd open a little window and they would say, yes, what do you have? And they would say, okay, we keep this and this is the money. It was done like this. Mm. It's a bit insane, huh?
1: Well, I think that's pretty amazing that there's that spontaneity of just jumping into your car with um, design after design and just trying to sell them. And as you mentioned, this wasn't even done back then. I love that. I think that goes back to what you said about the childlike nature, because that naivety is what, you know, if you actually <laughs> think about it, you just won't do it, right?
2: Can you imagine today the designers, they're all big stars, and, you know, and, and it's good. These were different times.
0: Yeah. Mean, I would I have like been it. happy to see how the design world has become in modern days. Or maybe he'd be a little frustrated by it.
2: Well, he would have been happy even when he was alive I knew he was happy with certain designs and very far less happy with others and would quite say it quite out loud, but I won't mention any names one way or the other.
1: <laughs> mm. I just think it's also funny that you said, you know, he'd come back with a thousand whatever Swiss francs and then he'd be happy. And it's just like, like uh, with all respect, it's it's kind of like a child that's got his pocket money to get his sweets. You know, I've got enough okay. now, so I'm going to the uh, sweet shop.
2: <laughs> Completely, I'm all right. <laughs> Brilliant.
1: Yeah. So, um, I wondered whether Mister Genta, who you know he, you know he did the Royal Oak, the Nautilus, Paul Router, engineer. You know, these are just some of the designs that we know of. There's probably still so many. But did he ever see a particular piece of work as his best work?
2: He was asked that question 50,000 times, and every time he said, My own watches, uh, that is the Giacinta watches. And then people would say, Okay, so in your brand, which one? And he would reply, So I have to reply like he would, uh, The one I'm going to do tomorrow. Because <laughs> every time he made a watch, you see, that there, there would have in our collections when we made the Giacinta brand. There could have been so many bestsellers if he had stopped at that watch and then we would have, you know, like every single brand, put it in steel and in gold and bigger and smaller and with a blue dye and a green dye and whatever. But as soon as that watch was made, he was bought. So that is why we were manufacturers of prototypes. That is why our factory had to have everything in-house. We had the dial makers in house, we had the crown maker in house. Because if you do one off, you can't buy quantities of anything. And therefore, he became apart from a few lines like the one my daughter's wearing, um, he were even new and you I don't think you have scratch the surface of all the models we make we made. And I think there were little by little you will see what she's coming out and you go, oh my God, was was that done? Uh, so it's difficult for me to tell you which one he preferred. I know he liked... The one he wore was a golden gold, like my daughter's got, but with a miniature beater and a skeleton mm-hmm. movement. And mm-hmm. that was
3: what he wore, mostly. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Dad never, ever looked back. So once no. that design was, designed, was out, he would not go into his drawers and look at his mm-hmm. designs with... He was always looking at the past. I mean, I remember coming back from school every single day, and he would be presenting a new design, at least one design every day. You know, the the stubborn teenager, a bit bored by all of this. Unfortunately, <laughs> I I wasn't appreciating what I appreciate now, and I feel quite guilty about that. Um, would say sometimes I prefer the one from yesterday, and that would be terrible. You, it, and we all have a really very bad. The new, one. it would yeah. We would have a terrible <laughs> dinner. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it must be somewhat you know because the world of watches is still a very small world but you know your father alexia he the way he's regarded is just a lot let me me being in the just on the zoom call with you and your mother is an amazing thing for me a bit emotional actually you know because i you know watches mean so much to me and um someone that you know created this and you know to to be to talking to you is, is absolutely amazing but do you find it do you, you must get this a lot right like there's a lot of fanboy activity but just in the world of watches and then out of it it's like just normal right is that kind of strange
3: um well I mean I I, I learned more about the watch world a bit later and definitely the more I got into it it was quite incredible actually when I when I launched the GeoGenta Heritage Instagram page and how many young guys and and women as well actually were contacting me and teaching me things about my dad that I didn't even know. I mean I mm. didn't even know or they would be correcting some captions that I wrote that I thought were pretty correct and they were like, mm-hmm. No, this is not this model, it's another model and everything. It's it's really incredible, but you're right. And then you go back into actually everyday life and mm. uh you know this is a, a this tiny world of watches where dad is a superstar and of course then you go back into normal life and nobody knows the name which is absolutely fine it's normal
1: yeah did, did uh he ever tried to pass some of his uh, creative genius to you
3: so he tried for a whole two minutes <laughs> it didn't go too well um dad was not patient I think he had that just that day romanticized the idea of his daughter learning how to design watches. So he had bought me the most beautiful, I still have them, the set of compasses that are, you know, super expensive that I wouldn't be able to take for school for geometry class, you know, like really beautiful ones. And, uh, and for two minutes, he tried to teach me and I think I wasn't doing the circle properly. I was 10 years old or, and he just was like, oh, you can't do this. And then he just stepped out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So you kind of mentioned it, but, um, you know, in the end, Mr. Genta created his own brand and you did just kind of say how you used to get bored and you used to be on to the next one and to the next one. That would have been incredibly tiring to do, to, to create new models all the time. You must have tried to think, I need to pull the reins in a bit because this is going to work and we can focus on this. Was that very <laughs> difficult?
2: Pulling the rain was a very difficult thing. Uh, yes, no, I, I didn't even attempt it. So that, but what we had was a very, very fantastic team because, you know, we couldn't have done it if we didn't have incredible watchmakers, if we didn't have incredible people who made the cases. And in fact, I think the team were as excited as he was, instead of doing the same watch, they were doing something new all the time and something that was a challenge all the time. Imagine when he came. Remember, he was always ahead of the curve. He started wanting to minute the ca- perpetual calendar. Of course, they had been done in the past, but he revived them. So, we had... And by the time the industry started doing, redoing uh, minute Peter, we were... Uh, perpetual, we were doing minute Peter. Mm. Then when the industry reached that, we wanted a grand sonnerie, a grand sonnerie on the wrist was something incredible. It took five years to do. When he did the grand sonnerie, then he wanted to do the retrograde. So mm-hmm. all of that, you had to have the team of the people behind you who actually enjoyed his well-working work and enjoyed the dream and felt so proud. A lot of our watchmakers signed their movements because it was hard work. And so little by little, the people who weren't passionate went back to traditional watchmaking. And the ones we had were absolutely passionate. And today, I'm really very moved to think that two of these watchmakers were young when they were with us, you know. And we are a bit less young. I don't want them to get upset when they hear this podcast, but <laughs> we are <laughs> but a bit less young, called them Mr. Navas and Mr. Barbazzini, um, are at the head of the Fabrique du Temps where the Geargenta watches, the new Geargenta watches are being manufactured. So it's like the 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 we haven't broken that thread, you know. And and it is that same passion that these watchmakers—they have very young watchmakers again. And when I met these young watchmakers, they have the same passion. If you would do jaeger you have to be passionate. Mm.
3: I was very so, lucky to meet uh, yeah. these uh, these watchmakers uh, recently, and one of them said to me, uh, "Working for jaeger was like being with a mistress." And then he went on to Patek Philippe, and was like, "And then I settled down for my wife." And I thought that was really quite right because obviously he was so excited with Gerald Genta, but then he needed to be a bit stable and calm down, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I wanted to know...
0: That should be the title of this. (laughs) 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 Like Uh,
1: creating a brand is never easy and the life of an artist is, you know, equally difficult. So I was wondering when was the most difficult time Um, professionally for Mr. Genta because I think you know to get to success certainly you have to go through a lot of struggles to get there.
2: He had a lot of struggles as you can imagine the watch industry as a whole preferred him as a designer so that they could uh, you know uh, benefit from his incredible design when he became a watchmaker he became competition didn't he? so uh, um, it was more difficult uh people who thought he was incredibly talented the year before when he opened his factory started you know telling who is he, who does he think he is, and he met a lot of difficulties, of course, one of the most famous being the Mickey, where mm-hmm. the whole industry was absolutely horrified and uh you know, couldn't didn't have anything nice to say about him, about making Mickey Mouse watches, but of course in the Ge Argentas style. But that difficulty we encountered all the time. Um he's not a traditional watchmaker, although his movements are more sophisticated than they were, because we are the, were the only ones who did grandsonner ever, okay, mm-hmm. at that time. Um, and there was a lot of criticism, which did hurt him a lot because he felt like he had contributed so much to the success of the Swiss watch industry. So much that to be, to tell you the truth, he was somehow disappointed by the, the attitude of, let's call them his competitors. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, um, on the whole, he didn't mind because he was doing what he loved. Also because he had wonderful clients and we had clients who really appreciated, who were looking forward to getting their piece, their special watch, who, when they got the watch, would say, oh, I wear white gloves and I opened the, we were not allowed to open the box, I opened the box myself, I'm so excited. But there were a lot of great moments that in the end, you know, people want to be a little bit jealous or difficult, doesn't matter. Mm.
1: Mm -hmm talking about that, the Royal Oak and the Nautilus, the watches themselves were relatively um yeah, not popular when they were first um launched. They weren't like flying off the shelves, so to speak. But did he always kind of know that was like gonna work? Or you know what I mean? Did he ever think this some of the artists think like they do a piece of work and they don't know why it's not popular? Did he always kind of know it was gonna come good?
2: He was absolutely sure. The rollout took three years, I think, before it started. And not surprisingly, the first country who really adopted the rollout was Italy. Ah. And if you in those days, if Italian market appreciated the watch, you just knew that it was going to work. And he was so sure about these models, he felt that they were completely revolutionary in those days, but he was a hundred percent sure of these two models. Like, he's been sure of every model he's done, but these two especially. And remember, the Nautilus, he was not requested to do a Nautilus. He thought, um, what would I do if Patek Philippe asked me to make a warlock? And he was in the bar of the um, Dreikönig in Basel. In those days, it was Fair, and uh, he designed, he thought these people, they like sailing. Uh, I'll do a porthole for them. And so he suggested it to them. It was a, Warlock was a request from the Marquee not his, it was the other way around.
1: Okay. So, right. Um, okay. okay, so talking about Gerald Genta, it's now coming back through Mr. Arno at LVMH. How did that occur?
2: That to me is a bit of a miracle. It's I am so happy about it, I can't even start telling you. I've always felt that Gerald deserved more than he got. And um, for a long time, I was looking for solutions. There were a lot of designs that hadn't been made. I felt that, you know, his his genius was not recognized. And uh, a few ups and downs. One day, I met this young man who was brought in by uh, somebody in the watch world and I have rarely seen somebody who knows so much about watchmaking. I think he must be an old soul or reincarnation of a watchmaker because this gentleman (laughs) is absolutely passionate about watches and he's ready to do it well. That is, of course, it's LVMH, so he has the means to do it well, but that doesn't mean he would do it well. He has the means, but he applies to do it well. If you, when you visit, I'm sure he would be very happy to show you, when you visit the factory, you will see it felt like our factory in the old days because you have the, the incredible gentleman doing the enamel, you have the incredible gentleman doing just the dots on the dyes, it, it felt like home. And he's not in a hurry to produce a model and to leave it to not perfection. I said to him, and I say it again, I really feel Gia Genta has come home, and I am leaving it, and we are leaving it in the best hand. I'm very, very happy.
3: On top of it, taking into account that it is Mr. Barbazzini and uh, Mr. Mm Navas who are involved, so people who worked with Dad. And I'm realizing that they care so much about the DNA, so, I mean... It's it happens on almost on a daily basis that uh, that uh, the Gerald Genta team would ask us uh, questions about Dad, but not just related to watches. A lot related to watches, but others related to what was his favorite painter, what was his favorite car model, what and and it's lovely to to know that they're really trying to understand the man as well.
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. So, you're touching on the DNA of the Gerald Genta brand. What is the DNA? I mean, what is that feeling that, uh, Evelyn, you're saying is it's like he's coming back? What is that?
2: Well, I have seen, I'm not allowed to talk about him because otherwise I'd be shot at the Fabrique du Temps, but I've seen the new models that will come out. They are totally Gerald Genta, but with a twist. And every watch of Gerald, it's a perpetual calendar, but with a twist or it, and, and they've totally, totally got that. You know, most brands or people who are the founders, then they get sold and they get upset, uh, with whatever is being done. I am putting my name down for the new models. I just hope I get on the top of the waiting list, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm, it is beauty. Technology to the utmost, the, the the movements are magnificent. But with that little bit of childlike, a of, of, little hint of craziness that there was, that has always been in Giorgenta.
3: Mm,
1: okay, so are uh, they using old designs that he drew? Because you must have a lot. If he was drawing every day there must be tons and tons so are you uh, getting those everything. designs back out again
2: yeah they are they have everything and they are using these designs they are talking about it they're adapting these designs you know remember in our days for instance watches were very small they were boy size these were the days when watches became very small now there's no point in doing we are in 2023 and to me i'm sure that Entire 2023 would have looked like that mm. it's it's just respectful of the dna and modern I'm, i mean i'm really excited
0: mm.
1: so, so when can we expect to see those watches <laughs> come to the market <laughs>
2: you you're asking the same question I keep asking I think they think I'm a pain in the neck you know but I really can't <laughs> wait so I've heard um I've heard March
0: mm.
1: March hang on is there any kind of watch exhibition in March I don't think uh maybe okay I
2: don't I know' I a big one but, but you know it's always the same race when we were doing our watches at the Basel Fair or SEI, SIHH in those days, uh, the watch was ready on that day, you know. So I think they are encountering the same stress that we were. Except now I'm on the right side of the barrier and I keep saying, (laughs) I want to see it. I I, you know, it's a very comfortable position now. I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what what you need to make sure is on the day of the release, you probably need to switch your phone off because everybody's going to be calling you saying, can you help us get this piece? Yes,
2: yeah. (laughs) And And you, Alexia, too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> Yeah, silent treatment. <laughs> right. So um what is your involvement with the brand now though? Like how are you going to be helping them? I'm sure you're going to be helping them, but in what capacity?
2: I think I will help them in by when they have questions about the DNA. They have a lot of questions about the history of Gerald, and of course I have that. I have also I'm sort of. I can be the link between our our former clients who still can't wait to be our new clients, and um, anything else they require. And then, of course, my daughter is fantastic at replying on Instagram and whatever she does, she does very well.
3: (laughs) I mean, it's a huge, huge job. Mom is uh, belittling her. Is is not making her job sound as big as it actually is. It's a huge job to archive all of this, because you can imagine uh there was no work i mean nowadays brands have incredible archives and you know they, they they're so organized about it but it's gone i mean mom mainly and i supported her we've gone through papers and papers and images and for even just the design is one side of things but everything else and of course th- th- we need to provide that to the Jolgenta brands uh, to help them have a full image, so that then they can then build on that.
2: Mm. I mean, interrupt, I don't think you're aware, maybe, that Gerard designed eyeglasses, uh, forks, knives, belts, pens. clocks, pens, automats, perfume bottles. You see, all of this needs to be... He's much more than than just that, we did some incredible automats. Uh, so, so there's so much to tell the world so that they, they understand that they're buying a watch, but the watch of an artist and the history as well. The, and that's you know. not
3: saying how many paintings he's painting oh, yeah. as well.
2: Every day. <laughs>
3: so, Every day, a new painting. Yeah. That, so that must be amazing.
2: Tell them who the man is, you see.
0: So, it really is kind of taking inspiration from Picasso because Picasso did plates, forks, ceramics, rugs, paintings, everything. So, when, when you're an artist of the world, you kind of want to embrace the world and not separate via industry per industry.
3: So and what I really appreciate about, about that is that he never did this with the idea of, of, of business. You know, he Mm -hmm. just wanted to make something beautiful. And that was his, like mom said, that was his priority.
2: Mm. But it was almost painful for him to sell the watches. And I have kept reminding them that we did have 200 watchmakers to pay at the end of the month. And it would be nice to sell them as well. But it was like, oh, you know, I didn't like to part with them. Would you ever consider a museum? (laughs) I, I would have to have enough. I mean, first of all, it would be in the hands of LVMH, but we would have to have enough watches because the models are all different. So we would have to have enough watches to to be able to do that. But there would be matter for a museum, certainly. Gerard's other inspiration was Fabergé. Fabergé Um. did a lot of different things. And he felt that his, his quality of work, which you find in the enamels. We did a series of watches that are with the client with Fabergé dials of, you know, this very pale lavender that Fabergé used to do, or this very pale peach color. So there's so much. We could go on for hours, and I think our job is to tell people, as you say, that this, it was called the Picasso of time in Singapore, and that's really what it was.
1: Mm. Mm. So I'd like to finish this main interview talking about Gerald Denta heritage. How did that come by?
2: Alexia, you want to reply to that?
3: Uh, sure. I mean, how how many years ago was that? I think it was eight, maybe seven, eight, eight years so. ago. Um, and, uh, and really, uh, mom was uh, expressing more and more that she wanted the designs to be known and seen and she wanted to you know she could she wanted the name Jarugenta to be better better known and uh and so that's so one way to do that is to create this association which was a way to firstly connect with any members of the press or wanted to ask any kind of questions. You know they had one place where they could talk to us because our only goal was to talk about dad it wasn't to talk about or sell watches you know that wasn't our our goal at all um and and then from that came the instagram page and the website who by the way all of these things were a combined effort of mom me but also um watch passionate passionate people um so two guys who love watches so much who said hey can we we love developing websites we love your dad can we help develop your website for free and they did and then instagram wow. they some other people so it was it was so moving because we had a community effort around it and very quickly that happened so that that's how it was all created mm. and of course mom then uh, on her side created the board a board of people who would all just support us spreading the word
1: wow well you know that finishes the main interview but we've celebrated Gerald Genta through this um through this interview but actually I have to say Evelyn you're an amazing wife you know to keep supporting your husband throughout the years to push through you know, and and you, Alexia, supporting as well, pushing that legacy through. It certainly wouldn't be the same without you. Like, um, it, that that's amazing because many people that are successful, we know them, but actually, it's the people behind them that actually are also part of that team and equally important. And I, I really think that you deserve a, you know, both of you a huge amount of credit, you know, to continue his story and Thank selflessly in a way. Much. Yeah. Thank you. But that,
3: that, you. That's super kind to say. I mean, in my case, I think I don't deserve as much. But mom, uh, I mean, I've watched mom uh, support dad. And I think she's always so humble. So she wouldn't say it. So I feel like I have to say it. Um, <laughs> that, you know, she, she because she took care of the business, mm. she allowed dad to focus on his passion, which was creating so mm. he could focus solely on that side of things so that it's and by 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 taking care of all of the other headaches for him mm. i think yeah she definitely deserves uh, a lot of credit <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> and at the same time have to take care of uh, a growing family as well
3: right
2: <laughs> yeah but oh, yeah. look, look a superwoman. I, a I, I, re- I think i did a great job don't you agree <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right, we now go on to the uh, reverso round. So, Evelyn or Alexia, you can uh, give us a question if you'd like.
3: Mum, you go ahead.
2: Um, I'd like to ask you both, if, if my husband was here and you could ask him to make a special watch for you, what would you ask him to do?
1: Okay, I can go first. See, someone who is as genius as uh, Mr. Genta... I would put all my faith in his hands and I'd say to Mr. Jenta, I don't actually mind. Uh, I would just go with the design that you'd like, but if you'd like to ask me any questions that can help you in your design, I'm more than happy to answer them. For you to get inspiration of that. But I really, truly with someone like Mr. Jenta, I would love to just not almost tarnish his work by having my input in there, because I would like something that was completely him. And completely. He
2: would have loved you. He would have absolutely loved you because he has, we he had some collectors who said, Are you sure octagonal works? I would have made it slightly different. And I would see him put down his pencil and said, Be my guest, do your own watch and walk off. So he would have loved you.
1: Well, I just think, to be honest, if you want a round watch or, ra- or any kind of generic watch, there are still many brands you can get them um, from you know, a huge amount. But if you want something really special from some someone that is, come on, let's be honest, really special, then I just feel you have to let the artist work. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Jack? I think for me, if I had the honor and privilege to even spend a few hours with Mr. Genta walking in his favorite city or seeing the nature, I think I would have enjoyed that company more and whichever inspiration he took from that walk of the day and let him settle in at nighttime, maybe having glasses of wine before dinner or after and seeing whatever sketch he comes out with, just being inspired by the day walking inspired by architecture and nature. And um, it's not even, its for me, it's not even a thing of, oh, that watch has to go into production or anything. It could just be a sketch that I know is reminiscent of what he, the man, and the artist saw of the world. I think I'd be very happy with that. Thank you.
2: Brilliant dancers. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah.
0: because and i say that because i'm hugely fascinated with art and i'm not a great artist drawing wise but um over the few the past few years of getting to know independent watchmakers more so because you can really talk to them and become your friend um i've encountered a few individuals in particular that upon having the conversation and asking them, hey, like, where did you get the inspiration of this one bridge? Where did you get the inspiration from the lug, the angularity of it? And the friend, the watchmaker, the artist pulls out his phone and shows me the photos of the architecture and the buildings and the churches that he saw. And he has the photo. He's like, do you see this? I say, okay, yeah, I do holds out the watch do you see this and it's like when you see both things together and you put them together and you wonder you see i would have walked by that church or the architecture or seeing the decorations of the windows but it's one thing to see and one thing to make the connection and convert it into your your own and to me that that absolutely amazes me and i've told him that so when Evelyn, you were talking about Mr. Genta being inspired by nature and art and architecture. I just think to myself, you know, there's just those special people in the world where they make that connection. And I can only imagine Alexia, you know, being beside your dad or Evelyn when you guys are out traveling and he just he just sees, you know, when you're walking down the street and he just spots and picks things out. And it makes sense to him. And to me, that's incredible. So when you ask that question, I, I just wanted to be a part of that creative process. It doesn't even have to result to be a watch for me.
3: That's yeah. such a beautiful answer. I mean, really, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's really heartwarming to hear this. And you put me, you with, with your passion and your answer, you just brought me back to a time of my life when my dad asked me, I'm sure mom, you know exactly what I'm about to say.
0: Okay.
3: Uh, when dad asked me to go for a walk in uh, the Princess Grace Rose Garden in Monaco, it was supposed to be a 15 minutes long walk. It turned into two hours because we stopped in front of
0: every rose
3: and he was observing every detail that was someone who could look at an insect like a fly and see beauty in it and I just did not understand but apparently the eyes are beautiful. So it's exactly what you're saying and he was able to translate that in these types of things into an object. So that's just such a nice answer.
0: Thank you.
1: (laughs) Right, we now go on to the final round a bit more lighthearted, uh, which is the pump push around. So eight questions very quickly um to evelyn number 1 mr Genter's most annoying habit
2: temper temperamental
1: okay, wow <laughs> Up and down. Okay. you said that a few times so it must be re- it must have been pretty <laughs> funny <beforehand. laughs> right number 2 mr Genta's favorite food
2: uh, risotto with mushrooms mm. ah,
1: okay Number three, Mr. Jensen's favorite drink.
2: Oh, a very, very good wine. Oh, I don't know if you know that drink, Pastis, which is from the south of France. But he had to drink it if he was in the sunshine in the south of France. There had to be special uh, circumstances around it. Otherwise, a very, very good wine.
1: Okay, next one. Something that he always carried around with him.
2: The little scissors to cut the moustache to perfection. They were (laughs) special, okay.
0: (laughs) Did you like the (laughs) moustache? Well, (laughs) I wasn't asked, okay.
2: (laughs) And actually, you know, I kept saying, "Oh, I'm not sure." And when Alexia was born, I said, "Well, it's it's rubbing against her skin," so he shaved it off for her. Then I realized I actually liked it better with, so it was a whole drama. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, the next one. The watch he wore himself the most.
2: The golden gold, so the octagonal watch with a perpetual calendar and um, mini chupita and uh his initials in the rotor which he always wore on the right arm and never on the left Uh, why is that because he had his arm broken when he was young and he started wearing them on the other side and he never stopped so he was always wearing them on the other side
1: ah okay next one the artist or someone he looked up to someone that inspired him
2: Picasso totally I can't say anyone else because it was a passion and obsession uh we saw every exhibition of Picasso and I think we had every book hmm. oh
1: wow right next one his favorite pastime
2: uh, painting I would say listening to also of music um even down to rap, you you know which rapper I never know what it's here. Listen
3: to Jay Z and Snoop Dogg, and he had a little bow wow phase as well, <laughs> <laughs> which,
2: which rather took me aback. I have to tell you but um <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> right, and the last one, his most prized possession. His most
2: prized possession, I think, it was the little. He in the factory we made a, a little frame uh, he made he made a little frame in gold that was very tiny that he could keep in his pocket and in which there was the photograph of our son, our daughter uh, and that folded and that went everywhere with us.
1: Ah, oh, wow. Okay, well, that ends the podcast. That flew by very quickly. Um, I have to say, you know, I'm. This is a bit of a like a, a milestone for this podcast to have you on. Ever since I started looking at watches and I, I read Mister Genter's name, to be honest, I never thought that I'd be sitting here interviewing um his wife and his daughter. Um, so it's an amazing thing for me personally, and I just like to extend my gratitude and thanks to both of you for coming on to the show
2: thanks for having us we enjoyed it very much
1: yeah and uh, we wish you all the success uh in march hopefully when we see the new watch i'll be sure to be messaging (laughs)
2: Uh, yes please okay you're always welcome
1: okay so thank you all for listening we will see you on the next one goodbye
3: goodbye
0: as always thank you for listening to the waiting list podcast we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at The Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts.
1: We'll see you on the next one.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.